on episode 534 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Jesse Kanzer and discuss her book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 532. If you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA level two online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Overwhelmed, backsliding, stuck, frustrated. These are just a few words my new clients tell me they were experiencing before we started working together. How about you? Do you find there's not enough day in the day? That even when things are good, you find yourself stuck? sliding backwards and frustrated, like you're running in deep sand and getting nowhere. I get it. Running four businesses, some days I don't know which way is up. But about 10 years ago, I managed to crack the code, and it changed my life. Since then, I've gone on to help hundreds of people do a 180 and find a way to lose weight, get fit, and feel younger than they have in years. I wish it was as simple as reading a book or listening to a podcast. But each of us has a unique path with our own challenges and opportunities. You have to find your answer because it's different than mine. Even so, there's a simple way to solve it, to crack the code to your health and fitness. It's right here now. If you'll come on this journey with me, I'm reopening my online training with a six-week program designed to walk you step-by-step to a healthier, fitter you. You can learn more at BeFitForTask.com. With a 100% money-back guarantee, I'll work with you to lose 8 to 10 pounds in that six weeks as we start you down the path to being fit for task. Go to BeFitForTask.com. So what's it going to be? Do you go on with this episode of the podcast and the rest of your day? In six weeks, six months, six years, where are you going to be? Change, at least the good kind, doesn't happen on its own. You have to make change in your life. Are you going to make change? To be fit for task, to lose weight, to get more fit, to be who you were meant to be. Go to BeFitForTask.com and take action now. Hello, Ras. Hey, Ellen. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Spring's finally here in Michigan, um, at least today. <laughs> we, <laughs> we had some weather over the weekend. I, we are expecting more weather this weekend in terms of snow, but, um, but today is nice. Well, we talked about hormone changes last week, mm-hmm. so it's sort of like right now you're... <laughs> Yes. You're going through the change. You're going through the change. Absolutely. (laughs) Michigan is going through the change right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's a spring change. So it's sort of like mm-hmm. puberty and and not uh, like menopause. But that right. said, it's still kind of traumatic increase. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, me, you know, I think the interesting thing is, is I, I've gotten my nutrition kind of ratcheted down and cool. everybody on the island knows, okay, Ellen's not doing these things. She's not eating these things. And so it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny because we will go out to dinner every once in a while and people are like, okay, well, Ellen's not going to eat that. Ellen's not going to eat this, which is actually kind of, you know, it is kind of funny to be sitting there and people watching me eat or watching mm. what I order more, more interested in what I'm ordering than, than what I'm eating. But here's one of the interesting things that hasn't happened before. And this is, okay. as you start thinking about getting older and how things are different because they are, they can be you know, mm-hmm. very different as you age. Um, I am sleeping. Good. I'm sleeping a lot. And I mean, good. like, because, you know, I don't, I say, I don't set an alarm. Right. And I mean mm-hmm. that I don't really set an alarm. Uh, I think I said it one day about a couple of weeks ago, uh, there were a couple girls that had to catch like a seven o'clock uh, boat out. And they're like, can we get breakfast early? And I'm like, sure. I'll get up. You know, they just, they just wanted yogurt and all that. So I thought, okay, I'll get up. I'll fix them up to go. Uh, they mm-hmm. actually had time to eat it there. Uh, but it was just one of those, that, that's the only time I set an alarm. Now, so mm-hmm. what's happening is I'll still go to bed, typically kind of normalish times. I'm up to about nine o'clock, maybe 930 now, but mm-hmm. I'm sleeping 10, 11, 12 hours. A night wow. almost wow. every night and it's just kind of this weird like this morning I woke up at eight I went to bed at nine oh and, <laughs> and I'm like and I'm asleep it's not like I go to bed at nine and I'm up for a little while hanging out you know looking at my phone uh I put my phone on the white noise sound machine and I lay down and I go to sleep mm-hmm. I'll wake up a few times at night to go to the bathroom and literally this morning got up at 8.30. I mean, really wow. between 8 and 8.30. Like just rolled up, looked at the clock. It's like, wow, it's after 8 o'clock. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> my goodness. Okay. Uh, well, on my side, and I don't know that this is going to adversely affect this recording, but my power just went off. So oh, welcome no. to the third world. Now, again, I do have a generator. I mean, <laughs> a little battery. So I think I'm still online uh, mm-hmm. and everything. So we're going to finish our hello, and then we're going to get into our our final segment. So if you don't know how this all works, which I'll just share this behind the scenes stuff, this is how a third world country works. The power goes out Mm -hmm. from time to time for no apparent reason whatsoever, and then it comes back on. Uh, But that aside, Rachel and I get together about once a week, and we record our hello segment, and then we take a break, um, and then we record the segment that you hear after the episode. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to finish this recording and then start the new recording for us to do that final segment. <laughs> so that's the behind the scenes stuff that whether you wanted it or not, you got live <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> sure. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to you soon, Rachel. Okay. Our guest today was born in the Soviet union at the age of eight. She immigrated with her family to Brooklyn. She is a writer and former reporter and actress. Her work has appeared in the Washington post, New York times, daily news, Wall Street Journal, The Independent, The New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Huffington Post, Ravishly, and Romper. With no further ado, here's Jesse Cancer. Jesse, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you so much for having me. Now, your book uh, is a very interesting title Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing Healing, Chilling, and Living with the Tao Te Ching. This. <laughs> This probably, and I know when I was reaching out to your publicist, came off as a 
why would a fitness guy want to do <laughs> an interview on a book? Don't just sit there, do nothing. Uh, but this is an important book, and I'm glad you you wrote this because I think this is going to be a great tool for a lot of people to get past one of the things that I think is one of maybe the one of the biggest health issues that we're personally facing now today, especially today in the modern world. And so I really do think this is a really important book for people to wrap their minds around that we don't have to be doing all the time. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I mean, uh, you know, it's interesting. I spoke to uh, the the head, the CEO of the Spartan Up uh, program. You know, he does those races. Yeah, John, and- Cena. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Joe DeCena. I spoke yeah. to him um, kind of when I was launching the book and, you know, he had an interview and whereas he was coming at me kind of um, with the opposite philosophy, right? Like you get it done kind of philosophy. What I showed, I think, was that there is a place where the get it done philosophy and the do nothing philosophy meet. Because, of course, you can't live in any extreme for a prolonged period of time without suffering negative consequences. And because so much of our world touts doing and achievement and accomplishment, I believe that the, the jokey, of course, the jokey title of don't just sit there, do nothing, that that is actually where our attention needs to go now so that we can create balance in our lives. Yeah, because, you know, one, I'll, I'll openly admit, I was 10 minutes late getting on this call. <laughs> and, you've got the, and you've got the patience that you you learned as you put together uh, the information to put this book and just raising your family and living your life. And and so the first thing I want to get into is this this concept that is, is really hard for me because I, I pride myself or I always have prided myself with being an overachiever. I want to get more done. It's a kind of a compliment, you know. I only sleep four hours. Oh, I only sleep three hours. And, you know, all the things that are going on. Uh, and there's a quote you had in the book. It's a, it's a little bit longer than I would normally read, but I want to read this quote because I think it's really important for, for someone that's trying to figure out what we're, what we're here for uh, to understand. And the quote goes like this. Do not be afraid to lay down your load for a minute. You can pick it up anytime you wish. Separate yourself from the endless goals and grievances. It will recharge you like nothing else. Spend a breath, then two, then an hour flowing without worry, without what, wait, and doing what needs to be done without overthinking it and bask in existence itself. This is the ultimate freedom. Thank you for sharing that. And it's true. Uh, anytime that I'm frantic, anytime that I'm panicked, um, I'm a wreck. Uh, I'm not nearly the quality that I need to be, to be the overachiever. And mm. so it's one of those, if you rush in, that's great. It looks like you're doing something, uh, but the looking like you're doing something often isn't doing yourself justice. That's, that's exactly right. That, um, this, uh, practice of doing nothing, I I use quotations (laughs) because of course, I mean, we're never doing nothing, honestly. Like if you're alive, your body 
breathes itself. Your, your your cells are recharging themselves. You know, stuff is going on at all times. There's always, I mean, the one thing about this existence is it's always in motion. There is actually no complete stillness. And what this recharging that I'm talking about, this taking the time to just, and you know, it could be really brief on a busy day. It could be as brief as a few deep breaths, but taking the time to recenter yourself then reconnect you with a flow of life because there is a flow. There is, when you enter that flow and when you are doing stuff from the flow, the doing becomes easier. So it's not like pushing the boulder up the hill. It's just going with the stream sort of. And what I've noticed is a lot of the problems with our very uh, overly busy society and uh, all of this barrage of information we constantly get and our brains become overextended, our minds become overextended and we are exhausted before we even get started in a way. So when we take the time to reconnect and we take the time to block out all that external noise and just kind of connect with the power, with the inner guidance we have within us, each person has within them. Even when we are doing, it's more easeful so that all of the stress kind of goes away and we do, or some of the stress, I should say, goes away and we do the next right thing. And then the the next right thing. And step-by-step you live your life, you do the things you need to do, but you're not overly stressed and frantic and crazy about it all. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because what I'll get is I'll get a client comes up and says, okay, um, I need to lose X pounds. We'll just throw that out there. And, you know, they'll have a reason. Sometimes they'll have a deadline. There's something coming up, you know, they want to be ready for this or that. Uh, They've been carrying this for too long. So they need to do something now. And the first question is, what do I do? Mm. And, you know, because we get, we get fascinated with a result. Yes. You know, what is my life going to be like if I'm in this pant size or dress size? What is my life going to be like if, you know, I'm, I'm no longer carrying this extra weight? If the scale says something tomorrow, it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, what is my life going to be like? And I think in that, that look to the journey, the look to the, the results, we, we lose sight of the journey. And you talked about this actually a good bit in the book because much of the struggles, much of the things that you went through uh, you look back and you've said it was, it was the journey. I remember the results and, were great, but right. Yeah. And the result, of course, of course, it's a great that I have this happy life now. And, and, you know, I'm a fulfilled person and that's all wonderful, but it's interesting. Cause you know, my book don't just sit there, do nothing came out recently. And I have a lot of people telling me because I share a lot of myself in there. And I have a lot of people saying that's so brave or that's so, you know, you, you accomplish so much or, you know, et cetera. And there's this like push to celebrate this accomplishment, which I think is wonderful, but I'll be a hundred percent honest. I like myself now, not any more than I liked myself three years ago when I started the book. So I, because by the time I began this, this work of putting down my own lessons and all of the stuff I learned by following Eastern philosophies like the Tao Te Ching and by, by reconnecting with my core, by the time I got to writing it, I already knew that it's not the end result that matters. And I think it's so 
funny and it's wonderful and sweet, but it's so funny that people celebrate the achievement. But if they actually looked, you know, in the lessons that I'm teaching in the book, that every failure is part of the achievement, every mistake, every fall, our entire journeys are as important as any accomplishment, any goal, any achievement that you reach. It's, and I fully celebrate that journey now of struggle that I had. I'm really grateful for it because that's what made me who I am. So I would really urge people who, you know, are focused on certain goals to remember to focus on, on the now, on the journey and see what they can. That's where our greatest lessons come from. And sometimes our greatest lessons come from the bottom as well before we even get going. Yeah. You know, I was, I was having a conversation with a client yesterday and he was, uh, he was telling me he, he loves running, uh, but he hates going to the gym and lifting weights. And so we spent some time talking about kind of the underlying reason that he might feel that way. And then a, another way that I feel like as he goes into the gym, that he should be looking at that time. And lot, a lot of the things we got into were the, the things that he enjoyed about running. He was experiencing in the gym. He just wasn't uh, aware. He wasn't uh, kind of in the moment to, to recognize, oh, I can move my body and I can push more weight than I did last time versus being able to maybe run a little bit further or a little bit faster than he did last time. Uh, the same feelings are there. Uh, they're just coming in a different way. And if you're not open to them, you don't, uh, you don't really experience them and you don't really re recognize the, what you're, what you're going through. And, and a lot of it's, you talk about flow uh, yes. in the book. Some, can you get a little bit into flow? Because I think part of really getting into the journey is when you recognize that flow is, is the journey. Yeah. And actually I, I've, I think that flow is very interesting to athletes because anybody who follows any kind of sport sees a difference. We know there's a difference between, say, a Michael Jordan or um, an Alex Honnold, the climber. Like, there's a difference in the people who are able to exceed their physical limitations to do certain magical things that we get to watch. But the reality is, everybody, in order to accomplish something they've never accomplished before, needs to enter the flow state. And then, the real gift is the flow state itself. So what happens in the flow state, and it's, it was identified, you know, earlier in the 1900s, um, therapists identified the actual uh, characteristics of the flow state. Um, and it doesn't have to be a physical activity. You know, some people like I, I actually enter the flow state when I write as an example, you know, and uh, people, some people do it when they paint, but what happens in, in the state is, whatever it is that you're doing consumes you so greatly that you lose for the time that you're doing it. You lose your ego. You lose the judge, the constant judge that's looking at yourself and judging and thinking, overthinking. And you kind of become one with the motion, with the flow of the activity that you're in. And it's a really beautiful experience, obviously very recharging, um, and this is why I say, you know, the Tao Te Ching, this ancient philosophy is very full of paradoxes because in a way it's the flow state that helps us reach stillness. But here we're talking about stillness of the mind. And when we become one with the doing, that is 
ultimate stillness. And it's a very ironic because of course we become one with the action, but it's, it's becoming one and becoming very, very present. And what, what happens is then is that monkey mind kind of goes away for that short period of time. Yeah. And the way, the way I look at it is, okay, you go into a gym and they have the music blaring sometimes uh, there's people in there, you know, they're talking, they're doing weights or they're, you know, all about, so you're not in a, you're not in a confined by yourself space. Um, but when I'm really in the flow of lifting, uh, so during a lift, I don't hear anything. Mm. I don't see anything. I'm, I'm literally at that moment trying to envision myself inside my body, inside the muscle and any other feedback that I'm getting, be it my eyes or whatever, is really just geared on is my, is my head, my body, my frame, everything where it's supposed to be at this point in the lift. And so for me, the, the flow state is, is actually so present that I'm unaware of pretty much anything else. So you, you talk about the monkey mind. It's I'm, you know, if, if you, when you get into flow state, you're only aware of what you're actually doing at that point in time, physically or mentally, but you're in that moment. And it's, it's such a powerful moment. Uh, but this book and, and your book, uh, they're, they're taking us through a process of trying to find ways to relax, <laughs> slow down yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and find that space more often. Right. So I am a big fan of whatever activity can get you in the flow state as well. And I, uh, one of the chapters, as you know, talks about uh, finding that activity for yourself, because I do think it's of the utmost importance to be able to find enjoyable ways to be in the present. So it's not always another, you know, I don't want spirituality or mindfulness to become yet another to do thing on a person's list. Um, and the magic of when you're able to enter that flow state, the magic speaks for itself. Once you're able to reach it. And I say in the book that everyone's reached it at some point or another, you just have to sometimes look back on, on your life and see what that is for you. It's the, it's that awareness. And in fact, so don't just sit there, do nothing is, um, divided into three parts. The first is identity, uh, which is understanding who we really are beyond just the personality and the body. Uh, and number two is the awareness that you and I have been speaking of is understanding sort of the energy flow around us of ourselves, what we bring to, to situations, to the world, what others bring into our space. And then number three is the creation. So it's interesting to me, creation, meaning like creating the life you want, achieving the goals you want. And it's, it's interesting because I think most people go straight to the creation. They're so right. They come and they say, yeah. how long till I can be this many pounds or, you know, look like this. And so we always, as human beings, we're so, you know, we're so obsessed with instant gratification that we rush to the creation part, but really it's these other journeys, these other investigations of ourselves that are, that are needed in order to have a full joyous journey to whatever we want. So it's not just you know, there is no snap your fingers and then you're a certain weight or a certain goal is achieved. It's not like that. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. I, I kind of equate it with the, um, if the first thing you do when you're going to walk in and try to build a house is start and grab a hammer and some nails, uh, you've, you've missed some steps. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
It's exactly you know? it. it, you know, and, and so what I do in don't just say there do nothing, but what I also do for myself, because look, I'm a human of, of this world. I'm very, very human. I also want all everything I want yesterday, you know? So what I do is remind myself constantly of the beauty of the now, the very imperfect now, not some perfect future scenario, because of course there really never is that, right? There's always going the movement forward. There's never really a static moment where you've arrived and that's it. And forevermore, that's not how we work. So I always remind myself and bring myself back. And whether it's with breathing, whether it's with the flow state, whether it's just a mental exercise, the, the ability to bring myself into the present, to practice some mindfulness, I remind myself that this is where it's at. The journey is where it's at. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have missed the whole thing. Yeah. And, and, the one thing that I find really interesting, and I, I, I want people to really wrap their mind around this, is the, the fact that you're reading these books, the fact that you're listening to podcasts, and you have something huge going on for you right now. You've, you've made some internal changes of self-love and self-appreciation and now self-awareness to make some drastic changes. Now, that will they be drastic in the means of, I want it now? No. But you've already made a huge change just by listening to this podcast, just by reading this book. Such a good point. Uh, once you open your mind to possibility to, you know, cause I, I think of myself as a lifelong spiritual searcher. I'm never going to stop my quest for more, you know, uh, more information about personal development, more information about growth and Anybody who is on that journey, and of course, if they're listening to your podcast, if they're reading, don't just sit there, do nothing. They're on that journey. I say you're there already because, yes, sometimes changes happen slowly. They're not always overnight. But when you open yourself up to new possibilities, new ways of thinking, uh, you know, to quote Wayne Dyer, he's a great spiritual teacher who passed some years ago that I was a big fan of. He, he said, change your thoughts, change your life. It's not a change that happens in, you know, one instant, but it's, you're on that journey of change and improvement and love and all the, all the good stuff that we want. Yeah. Now, some people will say they don't want to live forever. And a lot of people do want to live forever. Uh, but in a lot of the books that you read, a lot of the studies, uh, they go through and say, okay, well, why, why are people, certain people's living to a hundred years old or other? So you've heard about the blue zones and, and, and all those types of things. And one of the cores that's in there that I think is missing in the modern world for a lot of us is the concept of finding purpose. Mm. Individuals who live longer, live better lives because they have a purpose. And you talked about how you were on a particular career path. Uh, and then you had your, your car crash moment. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, for sure. A literal car crash moment. <laughs> um, so just a little backstory. I am a, a immigrant. I came from the former Soviet Union. Uh, the country is now Latvia. But when I was born there, it was just a giant blob of Soviet Union. And uh, I left there when I was seven. We were refugees. And my family went through a bunch of different countries before we sought asylum in America. And a lot of my early life is defined by the sort of 
loss of self, loss of identity, and just molding myself to what was around me so that I could be accepted, so that I could belong, so that I could find friends and fun, et cetera. And then also at the same time, pleasing my family. So pleasing those around me, being the good immigrant child. So eventually that catches up with you. This, when you're living not for yourself, when you haven't connected with your own desires, with your own purpose, as you, as you've mentioned, it catches up with you because you're not living an authentic life. And so I was in college, um, straight A student, kind of uh, walking the path of goodness according to what my immigrant society wanted for me in business school. Internally, I was really suffering. I had an eating disorder. I was depressed. I suffered from anxiety, panic attacks. And as soon as I graduated college, and I had so many interviews with all the big banks lined up, but as soon as I graduated college, I got into a major car crash. And that was my really rock bottom moment because I was, of course, struggling emotionally uh, with all of these kind of secret struggles. Um, I, I think my mom was aware of them by then, but nobody else was. And then I was, my body was broken physically. And in that moment, why it was such a beautiful downfall for me is because I realized I can't live this way. I have to figure out who I am what I want and how I want my life to look. And that was a very uh, life-changing moment because in my literal downfall, I reached for information. I reached for the Tao Te Ching and other spiritual teachings and my own health. And that became, became more important to me than the discomfort of letting people down. So my own truth became the most important guiding light of my life. Yeah, and, and I've had a couple of those car crash moments. One of mine yeah. was when the Challenger exploded in 86, and I was mm -hmm. a sophomore in college majoring in physics. Uh, that made me rethink some things. And then uh, with my layoff in 2017, um, you know, now I'm a personal trainer living on a Caribbean island. Uh, if you'd asked me before 2017, that, that, was, not, that was not in the plan. Uh, that was not there. Um, and, and I guess what I would just put forward is we probably have these car crash moments every day, every week, every mm. month, they just aren't as rock bottom as you are. They're not actual car crashes. How do we go about recognizing when our, our spirit, for lack of a better word, our, 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 who our oneness, who we are is, yeah. is needs something, but the judges outside of us, the people, uh, have different expectations of how do we recognize that disconnect and, and kind of steal ourselves for doing something different. Well, I love this quote um, that the universe speaks to us in whispers and then it speaks to us in shouts. So when you go through enough shout moments, those car crash moments, um, you become, it becomes more important to you <laughs> to start <laughs> listening for the whispers because, you know, I don't want to learn from strings of bottoms. I want to, I want to be able to learn and communicate with my life and with myself, you know, throughout, like you said, on a weekly, on a daily basis, so that we don't have to wait for those car crash moments. And by the way, I also refer, and don't just say there do nothing to the pandemic as society's car crash. And as our, unfortunately, our societies often do wait for those car crash moments before changes take place. But that's a whole other topic, of course. And I 
wholly believe that change on the big scale happens one individual at a time. When enough of us sort of awaken, the world will change as well. And the way to do that is to develop a constant communication to understand, first of all, the understanding, just the awareness that life is speaking to you. That's really important. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that life communicates with us. And it gives us feedback all the time. And there's a part of us, there's a there's a center within us that knows and understands that, but often we cannot hear it. And we cannot hear it because of the noise of the outside world and the messaging that we've allowed to enter within us. And, you know, I read recently that today in one day, the average person takes in more information than just a couple of hundred years ago, people did in their entire lifetime. So that's just, but, but we're the same humans, right? We're the same brains. So that's just to show how much we have coming at us. And there's nothing wrong with you for being overstimulated, for being confused, for being tired, because there is a lot coming at us. So then it becomes on us to create moments of stillness, moments of flow, moments where we shut everything else out so that the only thing we hear is our own breath and our own spirit and our own inner power. And when we do that enough, we are able to recognize that communication, that constant communication with source energy, with the universe, with life, call it what you will. I don't really care what your religious beliefs are because it's not about that. It's about establishing a, a really good level of communication with, you could call it life itself if you don't believe in a higher power, but there is that line of communication and we need to be able to hear it. And that's yeah. just a daily practice. Yeah, because you're not going to get your purpose from anybody else. Uh, you're not, yeah. unfortunately, you're not going to get it from a podcast like this one. You're not <laughs> going to get it from a book. Your purpose is your purpose and you have to be listening to yourself. Uh, and to do that, you have to be quiet. Right, right. And I love that you said that when you lift weights, all the noise disappears. So that's a good reminder to us that it doesn't need to be a literal quiet. It needs to be an internal quiet and whatever gets you there. And guess what? If you don't know what gets you there, guess that's just like most people and that's fine. And some days I don't know what's going to get me there. And it's just a beautiful experiment. When you look at life as this beautiful experiment, you kind of take all the pressure off because also, you know, um, enlightenment, I like to think of it as lightening up a little bit. We, we also take ourselves uber seriously the purpose, you know, finding your purpose doesn't have to be this heavy thing that you carry. It, it could be finding your purpose today for the day, for the week. And then when you start being more and more aligned with your inner calling, with your inner knowing, you're before you know it, you're living your purpose. And it's not always that put in a box or put into words like my purpose is being a or you know when you're living your purpose because you feel fulfilled. Absolutely. Now, every health and fitness coach out there has probably heard this quote from Lao Tzu, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Now, what most of us haven't heard is the next line in that verse, which is people often fail in their tasks just as they're about to accomplish them. Yep. So 
this is this is really really important because I've I've heard the parable. You probably, you may have heard the parable of the the guy the the the, the gold miner who was digging for gold. Yes. And then he decided yes. he wasn't yes. going to find the gold, so he sold the the gold mine, and a guy dug like a foot deeper and, and found, found the biggest yeah. you know yeah. find in history. Yeah. Uh, one foot, you know, it's just, it was just yeah. one foot. Uh, can we, we talk a little bit because yes, starting is extremely hard, Yeah. but so is, so is finishing. So is keeping, totally. with it. can we, can we talk a little bit about that? Yes. And um, so the, the chapter in my book that I talk about that is called journeying actually. Mm-hmm. And um, you are so right. So first of all, I also think, so I think most people know that quote, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but I'm not sure if a lot of people know that it comes from the Tao Te Ching, which, you know, when I tell people they, they're often floored because that's from sixth century BC. And it's funny to me that human nature hasn't changed all that much, right? We've always had a fear of starting. And yes, the other part of the equation is of course seeing something through to the end, not giving up too early. And um, yeah, people often fail in their tasks just as they're about to accomplish them. And then it says, so give as much care at the end as in the beginning, then there will be no failure. And I love that because what is failure really? You know, failure is only failure if you quit. Otherwise it's a teaching moment from life, from the universe, from yourself. And sometimes, and I would actually venture to say a lot, maybe most of the time, things don't turn out exactly as we had envisioned. But that doesn't mean, you know, they can turn out much better than what we planned for, but we have to allow for the flow to be different. I think that human beings tend to want to control things so much that they they miss the bigger picture sometimes. And I say in the book, you know, when, if you look at your life, have you perhaps quit too soon, whether it's on a venture, whether it's on your health goals, whether it's in a relationship, just when maybe it would have gotten good, but you decided to quit. But the other side of it, I would say is sometimes quitting is the right thing to do. When your goals, like in my case, before my car crash moment, when your goals are not aligned with yourself, change, of course, is absolutely the correct um, choice there. So again, this goes back to that connectedness with your inner self, because your inner self knows. Your inner self knows if you check in with it, just hang on longer, just keep going. And sometimes you do throw in the towel before too soon. Yeah. And, and I think we all go into these, you know, like, okay, so I'm going to go on this diet or I'm going to start this exercise program, or I'm going to do this thing, uh, you know, take a new course to learn something new, uh, to do something different. And the, the, the problem comes in is, is not that we can't do it. It's that we don't believe mm. we can do it. And one of the things you had in the book is a quote, another quote from your book. I think I said, I could probably sit here and just read the book and oh. it, yeah, <laughs> is we cannot wait for proof in order to believe in our visions. And I think too many people are waiting for proof that they can lose the weight, that they can get healthy, that they can solve their health problems, that they can learn something new, 
I mean, we're over 40, so we're not supposed to. We're the old dogs. We're not supposed to be learning new things, uh, but you can. Uh, people are doing it every day, but you don't have to wait for that proof. How, how does someone listen to themselves, listen to their inner voice in a way that says, okay, I, I, I need to get confidence from this because in reality, if you're waiting for someone else to give you the go-ahead, to give you that confidence, uh, you're not going to be happy with the results. That's, that's my what I've seen, but how does someone reach inside and find that self-belief? Sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. And I say this jokingly, but in my section on creation, I talk, we talk a lot about, you know, um, there are steps, right. To getting what you want. And again, I will say what you want with a little bit of space around it, because often in my experience, things end up looking a little different and that's okay. Or there's like another step that I hadn't foreseen and that's okay. I also find that when you commit so fully to a path, you're often given some obstacles to overcome or some tests, you know, the hero's journey always has tests on it. But um, to me, I kind of divided the steps of creation into three, three smaller steps. So, you know, one is intention two is embodiment and three is releasing the goals, the releasing the, uh, the end results. And so intention is what we're talking about of, you know, making your goal, making your vision a a clear, a more clear one. Cause a lot of people, you know, a lot of people walk around without a real vision for their lives. And for me, like for someone like me, because I'm have become a quite a flexible person, my vision changes sometimes from day to day, or I allow my vision to alter, but I always have a vision and intention. And the second part is what we're talking about here. The second part of embodying it. Now, what embodying it it means is acting as the person who already got what they wanted. And that's the really hard part. You know, there, yes, you need to believe before there's proof. That's where we all get tripped up. Because it's like, yeah, when when I see that I can do it, I will give my all to it. But it actually works the opposite. And the how, there's no magic bullet for the the how, but I do, in this case, I will go against my own title. (laughs) And I'll say that sometimes in the doing, the belief comes. I've seen that for myself. So I also watch my kids closely. You know, I have a five and a seven-year-old. And kids are a lot better at a lot of these spiritual lessons than we are because they haven't been taught out of them yet. <laughs> we haven't been it out of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The world hasn't. And like, if you ever watch how they play pretend, they are so invested. I mean, they're not they're not thinking, yes, you know, my, my five-year-old loves to pretend she's a teenager. She's 13. She's going to high school, whatever. And obviously, in some level, she knows that is not true. But she has no problem pretending for like three hours straight that I'm a teenager, mom. And, you know, she talks differently. And she and I love it because what stops us from doing it? Like, sure, I know on some level, for example, I have not I'm not I have not yet lost the weight. I have not yet reached my level of fitness. But why can't I pretend for the hour that I'm in the gym for the hour that I set aside to run? Why can't I pretend that I'm already that person? Why can't I play with it? and play that game of pretend and just start doing it because our brains don't really know the difference between pretend and reality. If we tell our brain enough times that 
I am this, you'll start to believe it. So you got to play with it. It's really adapting, in my opinion, a playful attitude and allowing yourself to pretend that you already are what you want to be, allowing yourself to believe in it, even if it seems ludicrous. I saw this as it was, it actually came over as it was a business podcast and the guy said it and I've, I've kind of adapted it, but it's the same thing. And his, his, his thing was be, do, have. Mm. And, and, and he says, so many people start with the do and he says, that's not how you do it. (laughs) You start with the B and the B being is okay. If, if I'm someone who is this person is healthy and fit, then that's who I am. And, and then what does the person like that do? Well, okay. They set aside time on their calendar and they show up at the gym. Uh, they shop and they buy whole foods. Uh, they cook for their family. Uh, so they know what they're eating. Yes. They still go out and have a drink with their friends every once in a while. Yes. Every once in a while, you know, okay, they're going to take a holiday and they're not going to do their workouts, but a person who is reasonably in the position you want to be, if you're doing the things that they do, eventually you will have what they have. And yes. so that's the whole principle of the be, do, have is very similar to what you're saying is, okay, if you fake it till you make it, but you still have to do the work. So there's no, just, you, you got to do both. There's a middle section, like you said, the doing, um, yeah. but you got to slow but, down and, and see it first. Right. And you know, when you embody the person that you want to be, you'll naturally do the things they do. Like you said, the person who is already fit. Well, yeah, they leave time for exercise. That's what they do. And um, the releasing part, I think, is also very important because, again, this is where instant gratification needs come in. Releasing your timeline and your, your you know, goal is important from time to time. It doesn't mean that we don't have a framework in which we operate, but releasing the reins that hold everything so tightly so that you realize that if you aren't, for example, whatever weight you set for yourself on the day you set for yourself, but you're getting there, that's good enough. You don't need to have, you know, a hundred percent control over everything. As long as you're doing that step-by-step journey we spoke of. Yeah. Jesse, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? This is, you're asking me yes. to define? Yes, to yes. define. Um, <laughs> huh, good question. So I define wellness and success and all of those big words, you know, that I think we all strive for as the feeling of purpose, fulfillment, and joy in your body, in your life, in your situation. And That doesn't mean 100% happiness 100% of the time, but that means that you know you are where you're meant to be. It's that feeling. And I think we spoke of this feeling a little earlier when, you know, we have those car crash moments or those smaller car crash moments that realize we're off course. It's that ability because we still have them. We're still, you know, even if you are living the life you want to live, you still have moments like that. And it's also wellness to me is that, conversation, that communication with life where you're able to course correct as you go along. It's that faith in yourself. And can you tell me again, the second part, the three, Okay, what are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Mm. 
I'm actually going to use the Tao Te Ching for this one. Perfect. The, I, the three main teachings of the Tao Te Ching, which are really helpful to me for my wellness and my health. And of course, I look at health as both a mental and a physical well-being, and I know you do as well. So the three kind of cornerstones of the Tao Te Ching are simplicity, patience, compassion. So to me, simplicity is simplifying all of those messages that we talked about that are bombarding us nonstop, simplifying daily, even if it's for moments a day, to that conversation within yourself, that one voice, that one inner guidance, constantly simplifying our craziness, our crazy mind, our crazy schedules, simplifying it as much as we can to our own inner guidance and our own physical well-being, because I do strongly believe that we are in this body for this lifetime and we must take care of our vehicle. And I'm a very spiritual person, but I will tell you that I'm also a fit person, not because I'm so great. And clearly I wasn't always because, you know, I I suffered from an eating disorder for many years, but I take my health very seriously because this is my vehicle to have my spiritual growth in, in this lifetime. So when I simplify everything, I understand that all I need to do is take care of my mind, take care of my spirit, take care of my body, and I'm good. And then the number two is patience. And that's what we've already discussed is the patience to get to where you want to go and not to rush things and to understand that the journey is as important, if not more important than the destination. And the last is compassion, starting with compassion towards yourself. When you practice compassion towards yourself, when you forgive yourself for falling off the wagon, for example, if you're on a health journey or, or overcoming addiction, uh, when you have compassion for your very humanness, you're able to forgive yourself instead of beating yourself up. You're able to continue. You're able to forgive and continue. And when you give that to yourself, you give that to others naturally. And so you live in a more natural state of ease. Thank you for that. Jesse, if someone wanted to learn more about you or learn more about your book, don't just sit there, do nothing. Where would you like for me to send them? My website, jessiekanzer.com, J-E-S-S-I-E-K-A-N-Z-E-R.com has all of that information on there. But of course, don't just sit there, do nothing is available everywhere. Books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target even. Um, But the information on my website has a lot of free resources as well. I have a free ebook. I have bonus chapters. You can actually read the first two chapters of Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing for free. And I also have all my upcoming events on there. So I, you know, I'm teaching at Omega Institute, which is in Rhinebeck, New York in May, but I, as well, I do um, virtual panels and workshops uh, from time to time. So all of that's on jessiecanzer.com. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 534, and I'll be sure to have links there. Jesse, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Oh, thank you so much. And I am 40 plus, by the way, I forgot to mention that, but I'm 40 and a half at this point. So I'm with you guys. (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. You know, a lot of that uh, discussion with Jesse 
has a lot of correlation with my running habits, especially the flow state. It was interesting to hear her discuss flow state in a way that I never would have thought about it before. Yeah. I mean, we, if you've ever played an athletic sport or ever done something like running consistently, so you got to get past that. It sucks part. (laughs) (laughs) But when you, when you get to a point of, uh, for lack of a better word, um, performance where you, you Mm -hmm. actually are very comfortable doing what you're doing. Uh, there's an opportunity for flow state. And for most of us, our experience goes back to athletics. It goes back to sports. Uh, that's when we feel the flow state the most because there's a, mm-hmm. a performance improvement. There's an enhancement to what's going on that we feel. And, and so it's, and it's very real. I mean, uh, you literally are doing better at that point. Um, but we're capable of doing this with just about anything mm-hmm. that we have some competency for. So it can be uh, making cookies, it can be knitting, it can be at work, it can be uh, at play, uh, it can be at learning. Um, you know, I'm right now studying for my performance enhancement specialty. And, you know, there are points in time when I'm sitting there studying and it's like, okay, this stuff is really coming in. I'm understanding it, I'm doing well on the tests pre-tests anyway. Um, and it's just a function of the focus, the attention, and then the comfort mm-hmm. that flow state kind of gives you. And so the real specialty here is if you can slow down enough, as she said, mm-hmm. do nothing, but even in short spurts, if you can do nothing to allow your body and your brain and everything to kind of just relax, flow state becomes a lot easier. Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. She mentioned that we have such busy lives. She's true. It's it's so true. We're barraged with information all over the place. It's kind of frightening how much information passes through our eyes and into our brains on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis. And it is hard for people to be still and appreciate the silence and the quietness. And then like we had talked about earlier in our personal lives, when everything seems to be going crazy, the cars in the shop, the kids are sick, you know, something broke at the house, you know, there's all these problems going on because our, our brain, I like to use the analogy of a tornado. My head is just swirling with information and it's hard to grasp on something to identify a problem and solve it. But if you can get into a flow state where your brain is still and you can appreciate the silence, then you can identify and solve problems probably a lot more efficiently than if you're freaking out about it. Yeah, because, you know, and we talked about this a little bit during the episode. So many times you you want the tool, you you Mm -hmm. want the strategy or tactic. How do I do this? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're immediately into strategies and tactics instead of the pulling back in and the mm-hmm. saying, okay, well, one, why is this important? Okay. Why is this important? And is this important right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So something's <laughs> going on at your house and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, great, great. You know, uh, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Is this something I have to deal with now? Right. And the only way you do that is to come back to your commitment, come back to your, your why, your vision, the whole bit of it. Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Where are we going? Okay. And then the self-awareness. Okay. I know this is going to bother me until I get this thing fixed. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Okay. Is there something I can personally do to make it bother me less? Mm -hmm. Can I actually shift my brain and say, you know, I got to take care of the kids first. Right. And I'm not going to call the repairman and argue with him about needing a window of opportunity for him to be at my house because that's when it works. It's like, okay, fine. You can't make it today between four and five done. I'm out. Take care Mm -hmm. of the kids, get the car out of the shop, Mm -hmm. call the repairman in the morning, figure something out. But we, it's, it's really hard to do that when, you know, the drip, 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 (laughs) the faucet is calling you. And Mm -hmm. so it's that self-awareness of, okay, yeah, that's going to bother me. But if I look at the bigger picture, the bigger journey, the who I need to be, the where I need to go, mm-hmm. am I even going to remember that trip, trip, trip Right. a year from now, five years from now? What I've recently told the kids, but both of my kids are college age, by the way, and so their, their problems are a little different than my problems in life, but... But I tell them, you know, do these problems require the baggage and the emotion that you're assigning to it? Is it really that important? And like in your analogy of a home, you know, if the faucet is dripping, is that something that needs to be tended to immediately? No, because there's not a burst pipe or something that's bigger or worse. But if you could just take it, take it down a notch, not, not panic about it, not fret about it, not worry about it and, and just assign the next task to it and it'll get done. And like you said, it, it, it'll be forgotten in days from now, weeks from now, it'll be all over. Yeah. And, and, but you know, I'm going to be the first to admit that is hard, that that step right there is really hard, (laughs) which is why having the foundation, Mm -hmm. the why, Mm vision. Who are you and who are you going to be? And so a big part of what her book is about is really getting to that self-awareness. It's really getting to who you are and who you deserve to be and who you want to be and making all those things line up in a way that makes sense for you. And Mm -hmm. is she where she was, Jesse, where she wants to be in her life? And the answer is no, but she's closer than she would have been. Uh, if she hadn't taken this approach mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we all love those quotes. And so you kind of go through a lot of those quotes that, that they came from this book, uh, not from her book, but the book that her book is sort of based on, which is, mm-hmm. you know, she's taking that ancient wisdom, if you will, because um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it seems pretty weird. Okay. Someone 3000 years ago was actually going through the same emotional issue that I'm going through and they didn't even have Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, and and so you're like, okay, well, you know, they had wars, they had famine, they had struggles. Uh, they may have been slightly different struggles, but the human nature to approach everything as a disaster uh, was mm-hmm. still there. And so, for someone to say, okay, is it a disaster? No, it's not a disaster. Actually, stopping and doing nothing mm-hmm. gives me the opportunity to put it in its place and really come up with a structure that works for me for solving that problem. If it needs to be solved at all. Sure. Yeah. I love that. And you guys discussed at the end, the be do have concept as well. And that skipping any steps to get to the end, to the outcome. Yeah. Because again, if you don't believe it, 
Mm-hmm. It won't happen. It just, it just won't. If you don't believe that you can lose the weight you want to lose, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're like, I tried everything. It's just, nothing's going to work. Well, you have to believe that the next thing you do is going to work. And you, you mm-hmm. do that from a, okay, sit back, have a reason, a why, mm-hmm. have a vision of what that is, really an emotional one. And then a structure of who I am and what has stopped me in the past. And then a plan. And most people go at this with the, with the, the you know, the tool, mm-hmm. we'll throw a hammer at it. Okay. Well, it's a screw. Okay, great. Um, and then the next time you try, it's a nail and you got a screwdriver in your hand um, because you didn't stop to define the problem. Mm-hmm. And we all do it. I, I'm guilty. I'm, everyone's just as guilty as everyone else of doing oh, these sure. things because this is, this is the hard part. <laughs> you know, this is mm-hmm. why. Uh, we struggle and we've always struggled. And that's why books like this, writings like this exist. Um, most of the time, those lessons uh, were meant to be handed down to uh, to our children, to our students, uh, things like that. These were teachers. These were what we would call the intellectuals that were that were putting together the, the content of making us a better society. And so they became writings later. Uh, they were often oral at the time. And sometimes they were written. And then once they were written, then there was a printing press. And then there was more of these ideas. Now there's the internet. uh, Mm -hmm. And there's more of these ideas. Uh, The ideas are great, but you got to go back to you. You got to go back to that very beginning of this has to be about you and what works for you. Mm -hmm. And you're unique. As odd as that sounds with over 8 billion people, there's no other single person exactly like you. What you need at this point in time is very different than what anyone else needs. Right. And the only way you're going to get that information is to be really quiet and still mm-hmm. and listen because your inner voice is going to help you get there. Yeah. We have a, a saying in our family that goes way back generations. And apparently my great-grandparents and grandparents used to say to their kids, remember who you are and what you represent. And it just gives you pause for thought. So as as my mom was heading out on a date or some such thing, my grandparents would tell her, remember who you are and what you represent. And it's just a simple reminder to focus on yourself and what values and morals and things that you hold important to you. and, And remember that when crazy things happen or you need to make some decisions in life. Remember who you are and what you represent. Love that. Mm -hmm. So Rachel, next time we're going to get an opportunity to talk about your race. Um, Yeah. As we're talking right now, you haven't quite done it. You're close, Yep. but good luck with that. Thank you. And we'll talk next week. Thanks so much. Take care. Next time on the 40 plus fitness podcast, we welcome back Dr. Robert Davis and discuss his book, Fitter Faster, the smart way to get in shape in just minutes a day. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.